not to be too long. Matthew chapter 1, I'll be reading some scripture here. Scripture here. Everybody that enjoyed that, give those kids a hand. Really. I, I'm telling you, uh, even the little ones, I didn't know what we was going to get. And I was really, I've been excited about that because I didn't know what I was going to get. I, I didn't know if we'd be, uh, it, but they all did well. That was well rehearsed. That was a good job. It's a good job. And it'll be hard to try to beat that next year. But uh, I, I, I like that. That was really good. It's really good. All right, Matthew chapter 1 for a little while this morning. And of course, the theme is Christ uh, and Christmas. And uh, I'm going to preach a little bit on the family in Christmas, and I'll show you where I get that thought. Uh, And next week, Lord willing, I'll be preaching on the name Jesus. What's in a name? And so this morning, verse 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph... Thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, And he called his name Jesus. And now I'm going to go to Luke. And I will, in Luke chapter 2, I will read one verse of Scripture here. And so Joseph and Mary begin to make their way to Bethlehem. And you see here in verse 1 that there was a global tax uh, that went out. And, uh, and so they went to Bethlehem, which is prophecy. The Bible says there in Micah that uh, this Christ child would be born in Bethlehem. And so as they got into the city, verse 6, And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. But here's my thought. Because there was no room for them. Now my whole life, having been raised in a Christian home, and and I'm thankful for that heritage. In my mind, I had always quoted that verse, there was no room for him. And often you'll hear, Preachers preach on that theme. Do you have any room for Jesus? And that's a fitting theme. Uh, There's nothing wrong with that. I I think I've preached that theme a couple of 
times myself. It, it preaches well, and it brings the preeminence to Christ on the family in Christmas. Now, to bring us a little into context, this Rome was in power. And uh, there's some things to note as far as prophecy is concerned that you see that Rome is in power. That is the fourth kingdom. According to Daniel's image, uh, it's the fourth kingdom or what we call the time of the kings. And it had been prophesied that Christ, the Christ child, Emmanuel, would come in the time of the kings. And he came in the time of the fourth king, which was Rome. And something else you need to see here is there was a global tax that went out. Now, I don't know if you've been paying attention, but there is talk. Uh, I think it's more than talk now. It's already been signed. There is a global corporate tax now or going to be in 2023. And, and, and you say, well, what's the significance in that? Well, what I'm drawing a parallel to is uh, the Roman Empire was never conquered. Rome is still in power. It has uh, kind of come down into the feet. And so you've got iron and clay, which, because he's talking about governments, is democracy. Democracy, iron and clay. You said, what's the iron? It's kind of what we're seeing today. That Dacronianism, uh, that, that iron rising up because the democracy, they want to use a democracy. It's called a socialistic democracy. That's what you're looking at. And it's not going to go away. And the Antichrist will be voted into the position that he's in. But my point is, uh, uh, Rome is in power. We're in the feet of this thing. And then there was a global tax when Christ showed up the first time. There'll be a global tax when he's on his way the second time. And that's the prophecy that we see here. And then we see that Christ, according to prophecy in Micah, chapter 5, verse 2, would be born in Bethlehem. And so he is. And then the Bible I read this, my text for this morning, is there was no room for them in the end. Now you think about that. I understand that it was crowded that evening or that day when they come into town because everybody's trying to uh, bustle and, and get going and get into the, the cities and the towns of where they had been birthed uh, to get part of this and be registered and to be, take part in this global tax. And so Mary had found himself here in Bethlehem because he was of the lineage of David. But then we have this woman, Mary, who was a virgin. And she's great with child. And, and I have heard tell, and I agree with it, that as Joseph went to look for room there in the inn, that you could clearly see that Mary was great with child. I dare say that her labor had already started. And I'm sure that that was said to the innkeeper. But there was no room found for a woman getting ready to bring forth a child. Now, I don't know about you, but that's pretty cruel. That'd be like if there was uh, someone that come in this morning and they, they would just happen to buy and all of a sudden the, that time labor hits them and they don't have time to drive to the hospital and they come here seeking some help. We just say, hey, there's no room in this church. Go on, get out. That's what he's talking about 
here. No room for them in the inn. No room for a woman that is getting ready to birth a child in the inn. And hence, we see that the Bible indicates that he was born either in a barn. Some say he was born in a cave. Uh, you can pick your poison on that. But we know this for sure. He was laid in a manger, meaning that there was animals in there that were eating. A manger is something that you feed animals or livestock out of. There was no room for Mary. I mean, it's funny, they couldn't just have put her in the living room somewhere. Couldn't the innkeeper have given her his room? I mean, couldn't they made a little room there uh, in the living room? Couldn't there not have been a little room there by the fire that night for a woman ready to give birth? Could not somebody had offered their room, maybe heard the commotion? Pretty cruel pretty harsh world but not only that there was no room for family that's why the bible is saying there was no room for them no room for family which got me to thinking no room for the mother ready to have a child no room for family kind of reminded me of today uh, that how we live in this society there's no room for the family in today's society. I mean, uh, if you think I'm, I'm silly on that, uh, why don't you go with, if you might have some friends that might have more than two children, and go out to eat with them. They got four or five children. Or they might go to the grocery store and see how people look at them. We're living in a day where people look down their noses and scorns at people that have a family. And then they really look down and scorn at people that have a husband, a man, and a woman, and children. It's not popular, and there's no room for family today in our world. Kind of like this day, there was no room for them. But I'm also reminded that Christ was born into a family. I mean, when you begin to study the Scriptures, you begin to understand that if God was to come and redeem mankind because of His written Word, He had to be a kinsman redeemer. That means He had to be born as a human. In the likeness of sinful flesh, but still 100% God. We'll talk about that next week. In the name of Jesus. But the Bible had already said that he would be born seed of the woman. He would have to be born of a virgin. He could not have been born of the seed of the man because man is fallen. Man is a sinful creature. And cannot redeem himself. And so it had to be a virgin birth. And so God, because he's creator, just like he did there in Genesis 1, he began to speak and things begin to happen. And that angel uh, come to Mary and told her that she was going to bring forth the Christ child. And then the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, come upon her. And I could see as the Holy Spirit began to speak or to begin to move that there was life there. But today, as in this day, there was no room for family, even though Christ was born into a family.
Christ, or God, instituted the family. It was one of the first things he did there when he created Adam. And he, he set Adam there in the garden. And Adam had no help meets. And the Lord said, it's not good that man should be alone. And he said, I'll make a help meet for him. And so God performed the first operation there and took a rib out of Adam's side. Not a foot bone or a heel bone because the husband is not to treat his wife like she's under his feet. Not from a head bone because she's not to be his head, but from the rib so she can be an equal partner to help him to serve with him, to help him do what God had given Adam to do, and so today. But we see from Scripture that God instituted the family. And I believe this wholeheartedly, that family is important to God. And what I mean by that is family, how the Bible defines it, which is one man married to one woman, who produce fruit. It's called children. That's the Bible's definition of family. And this world is destroying God's definition of family. They're trying to destroy it because they're over there in Romans chapter 1 that they do not want to retain God and their knowledge. And what he means by that is they don't want to be able to look at anything or think and be able to be reminded of God. And so that's why the devil has went about to destroy what this world calls the nuclear family, uh, to destroy families because... He doesn't want that testimony before people. He wants to blind them to the light of the glorious gospel. And so there is no room for family in society today. The birth of Christ is important because without the birth of Christ, there would be no cross. There would be no salvation there would be no redemption for mankind, and there would be no home in heaven for the redeemed. The birth of Christ is important. And we need to look at this family this morning, Joseph and Mary, they were a family. And that God used to birth Jesus into this world. So I want to ask you a question. Could God use you and your family for His service? See, that's the purpose of family. To work together to bring glory and honor to God. And so the question I want you to ponder this morning, could you have been the candidate that the angel Gabriel could have come to and says, I want to use you. Mm. Yeah, I don't think enough is said about Joseph and Mary. I think we make light of people that 
are uh, very conscious about how they live their lives, anticipating that God is going to use them in the ministry at a future date. I appreciate the parents that uh, have come to ask me, is it wrong for me to try to maintain my children's purity? And how long should I do to do that? I say, do it as long as you can. This world is so wicked. And there's so much being exposed to our children that they're not age ready to handle. Because the devil has an agenda and he wants to destroy families. He does that through fragmenting them. I was reading something this morning in the news. And there's a new trend that's been going on, but now it's been going on long enough they have stats on it. And it's called, uh, I forget the name of it, but what it is is people that are married together and they stay married, but they live in two complete different houses. And the reason behind that is because each individual does not want to lose their identity. And there's things that they like to do that's fun that they want to do. And so she has her house, he has his house. I got news for you, and they're parading that around. That thing has grown by 25% since the year 2000 to the current date. It's becoming an ever-popular thing. And as I was looking at that this morning, I'm like, that is the devil at work again to try to justify fragmenting families. The family was not designed to operate that way. The family was designed to operate as a unit. So ask yourself that question. Could I be used of God for some particular service? Have you lived your life anticipating that I have purpose in this world and it's a godly purpose. It's the devil that wants to fill your head with nonsense to make you think you have no reason for being here. I got news for you. If you're breathing God's air <laughs> and you're listening to my voice, God has something for you to do. There's a verse of scripture that comes to my mind, and I'm jumping ahead of my, my notes, but I believe that it to be fitting it's Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. But here's my part that I want to emphasize, that you may prove... What is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God? Now, that got me to thinking. We have a whole lot to say about the woman at the well, and she got forgiveness, and God forgave her, and, and she went and did things for the Lord. And we have a whole lot to say about the maniac of Gadara, and we say a whole lot about the Apostle Paul who claimed that he was the chiefest of sinners and how he got uh, uh, born again and what all he did for God. But not a lot is said about Mary and Joseph. You know, I grew up, and I'm just sharing my heart this morning, 
I grew up having been saved at an early age, six years old. My parents seen fit that I come to church. And they come with me. My father brought me and my mother. They, we attended church together. We sat together. And I was there for Sunday school. And I was there for Sunday morning. I was there for Sunday night. And I was there Wednesday night. And God began to work on my heart. And I got saved at an early age. So I've not seen a lot of the vice and a lot of the sin that a lot of people see. And I'm not saying that they're any less in Christ. And I grew up listening to these, these uh, uh, testimonies that people have. Uh, uh, a lot of times it'd be preachers and how they were bragging about how sinful they were and how wicked they were before they got saved and how they robbed people and corrupted people. And it got to the point where the devil was using that to make me embarrassed about my testimony. My testimony's not like that. I was born into a Christian home. My father was a pastor, an evangelist. My mother was a saved woman. They had gotten saved uh, at early ages. Uh, my father at 12, my mom somewhere around 10, 11 or 12. Uh, raised in Christian homes. So we're working on third and fourth generation Christians. We're people that were in church. So my testimony is the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart one day. You know, I, I didn't even walk an aisle when I got saved that morning. I got saved in a pew. I just give my heart and my life the best way I knew how as a six-year-old child. I, I, I didn't have many sins to confess. <laughs> and the devil had made me ashamed of that testimony where I wouldn't even share it. Because I didn't have a testimony like the maniac of Gadara. <laughs> I didn't have a testimony like the Apostle Paul dragging people out of houses and killing them. But I got a thought for you. It wasn't the woman at the well that birthed our Savior into this world. It wasn't the Apostle Paul that was the stepfather of Christ. It was Joseph. And that's the basis of of my thought, could God use you for such a service? I see three things in this family that I want to mention. Number one, I see the purity in this family. The Bible there in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, was clear to tell you that even though she was his betrothed wife, and that means they had a contract between them, at a covenant. But the deal had not been totally sealed because he knew her not. They had not come together, even though they were promised to each other. And I see this purity. What I'm saying is they weren't living together. They had a biblical convictions and high moral character. They were living their lives in preparation for the service to God. They did not know what God was going to use them for, but they wanted to be ready for it by maintaining biblical purity. They wanted to be able to hit the perfect will of God. Did you catch that there in Romans, that there is a good will of God, then there's that acceptable will of God, but then there's that perfect will of God. I find that in Joseph and Mary. There's purity here in this family. We're living in a day 
where if you decide to, to have some purity about yourself, that is looked down upon and scorned. I got news for you, it's not scorned in the eyes of God. Family, there should be some purity there. Joseph had honor. He was a just man, verse 19 in Matthew chapter 1. He was a just man. He was not acting out of jealousy or anger. He was a thinking man. He was a listening man because, could you imagine, <laughs> you're engaged. <laughs> You've maintained your purity and all of a sudden your wife-to-be says, I'm pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Wouldn't that give you cause to think? Joseph was thinking about putting her away. But he wanted to do it privily. You say, why? Because he's a man of honor. He wasn't going to make an example out of her. Actually, to the letter of the law, he could have had her stoned. But as he was thinking and pondering about that, he was a man of integrity. You see, even though the circumstances had changed from when he made this agreement to marry Mary. He honored his agreement to take Mary as his wife. There was commitment there. Man of honor. Now the Lord come to him, helped him out with that, appeared to him and said, look, this thing that's happened to Mary, she's telling you right. She's virgin. And that the Holy Spirit of God has, has created life. And she's going to bring forth the Christ child. And it's okay that you go ahead and take her as your wife. And he maintained that purity until after the birth of Jesus. Quite a man of honor. Quite a man of integrity. And so I see the purity in this family that bore Christ. What was God looking for in a couple, a husband and a wife, so that he could use them for his service? An important work. I also see the priority. This family had priorities. And if you're a family, you need some priorities. Number one... And that's just why I read Matthew. Joseph had a priority that he was going to obey God's command. God was clear to him that this thing was okay. You can take her as your wife. She's telling you the truth. She's a virgin. He did not divorce her, not even privately. Well, we live in that age, don't we? You know, the world's model of love. Fall in love, madly in love live together until the new wears off and you lose that sparkle and you just broom them and you rinse and repeat until you find the one. That's not how it works biblically. Biblically it works, you become the one. You follow God. You maintain your purity and your integrity and your honor. And then God will bring someone along your way. And then you fall in love. But the whole time you're still following God and you love God because if your relationship with God's not right, it won't be right with your spouse. Never. And that means the devil is in there. 
Because the devil loves divorce. The devil loves fighting and arguing and bickering and separation and saying, well, we, we, we just live in my house and you live in your house. You live in your room. You live in your room. That's fragmentation and the devil loves that thing. But I see this priority. He didn't divorce her. He didn't put her away. But his priority after obedience to God was to take care of his family. Now something that I need to point out to you that when Joseph went to Bethlehem, according to the laws of Rome at that time, the best that I can tell because I did some research on it, she was not obligated to go. She did not have to go. Only the head of the household had to go. And then you would give the census who, who was kind of like the census here. And then they would tax you appropriately. Not Joseph. He had a priority that we're going to do it together. That's right. Uh, and I like that when I see couples doing it together. When I see couples working together and bringing about that unity because it speaks of the Bible to me. It speaks of what God is, is looking at in marriages where he says a father, a man should leave his father and mother and then they said they should cleave unto his wife and then they should become one flesh. That means they leave, they cleave, and then they weave themselves together to where they're one. They operate and work as one. Many times people ask Jenny, could you ask the pastor that we could do this? And Jen says, well, no, we can do that. And they're like, are you sure? You better, ask, you better ask pastor. You know why she can do that? Because she's one with me. She knows how I'm going to react. She knows what I'm going to think. And we've worked together. We've been married 32 years. She knows about how I think, how I feel, and what I'm, what I'm looking for in the future because we talk about these things. And vice versa. That's priority. Not only was he going to provide for this family, and it was his responsibility now, he was going to protect them. He wasn't leaving Mary. Because could you imagine the scandal that that was going to be in a little small town? I come from a little small town. And I got news for you. I know everybody up there uh, where we come from in Brookville, Indiana. I'm related to half of them and Jen's related to the other half. We couldn't even run off and get married for the clerk there at the courthouse knew her and called her mom. Or family, some family. You know what Jendora's doing? Now what? She's getting married to that Baptist. Hence, I got a nickname in that part of the world, John the Baptist. There's been a few people that wanted my head on a charger. <laughs> I understand about small towns. They had come from a small town. Could you imagine that scandal? Could you imagine that scorn? Joseph, he was going to protect her. He said, you're coming with me. We're working together as a unit. We're going to start this thing together, and we're going to end it together. But then he proceeded to travel with his family. I always appreciate an evangelist that will travel with his family. It's not easy. And let me let you in from their perspective, because I come from a large family, if a church finds out you got a large family, they don't want to have you. 
Why? Because they don't want to have to put you up. They don't want to have to feed you. You say, that's cruel. I know, there's no rooms for family. I'm talking about Bible-believing Baptist churches that look down their nose because a preacher might have more than one child or two. And they won't have you in because when they take you out to McDonald's, it might cost them more than a $20 bill. I'm just telling you how the snow blows on this thing. I know. I've experienced it. I've seen it. And I've talked to more than one evangelist. That's why many of them travel on their own or they get a motorhome or a travel trailer so they can keep their family with them. I appreciate those preachers and those evangelists that do that. I'm not saying the ones that don't do it aren't right. I'm just telling you I kind of put them in my priority list a little higher because they're trying to stay true to the priorities in family. God instituted the family before He instituted ministry. There's a lot of people that fall by the wayside and lose their family because they abandoned them when they went in to serve in ministry. But I see the purpose in family. This family had purpose. Mary and Joseph had purpose for God, for ministry. Every family has a godly purpose. This room has no room for godly families. That's why it's looked down upon. If you have a godly family, or you try to have some morals about yourself, and your children, they mind their manners in public, people begin to look at that as in you're odd. The devil, he has no room for godly families. Why do you think it's such a big fight just to try to get up to do something for God? There's the devil in that mix. You'd be better off to pray together as a husband and a wife. <laughs> Plead the blood or something. Because <laughs> the devil's working. But God has a purpose for you. God has a purpose for every family in this church this morning. He said, well, I'm not like Mary and Joseph. I couldn't. I, I understand that. I got you. I, I got you. But there'll be something you can do for God. I'm not going to make light of the woman at the well either. I'm not going to make light of the maniac of Gadara who went and published the word of God abroad. I'm not going to make light of the apostle Paul who wrote 13 books of the New Testament. But I'm also not going to make light of Mary and Joseph. And the purity that they had. The priorities that they had. And the purpose that they knew that they had for God. You say, preacher, <laughs> it's not the Christmas message I was wanting to hear. I understand that. Maybe your family's a mess. Maybe you don't have a family. Maybe you've not been born again. You want to know the best part? Jesus has family. <laughs> mm, 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 mm. Mm. The Lord says, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. See, I don't have no family. Oh, you can have family today. Jesus is about family. That's why he was born into one. Jesus puts a high value on the family. 
This world doesn't have no room for you, but Jesus has room for you in His family. Jesus wants you in His family. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You see, Jesus wants you this morning. And He wants you part of His family. And I got news for you. Where do you think Joseph got his purity and his priorities and his purpose from? The Heavenly Father. And if you need someone to share that purity and the priority and the purpose, our Heavenly Father, there's a purity with Him, but He has His priorities that He's going to take care of His children before He takes care of anybody else. And then His children, they have purpose in their life. Whereas the devil, when he's done with you, he just leaves you beaten and battered on the side of the road, abused and used up. And then Jesus comes by, says, it looks like you need family. And he'll pick you up. And he'll take you and he'll, he'll pour in oil and wine and bind the wounds of life. Life can be cruel. And upon your saying so in acceptance, he will adopt you into his family and i got news for you jesus my jesus the lord jesus christ he won't let you down i know sometimes we go through things and we think why'd god do that to me i don't know i've not been able to wrap my mind around some of the things that some of God's children have to go through. But I can assure you that if you're a child of God, there's a promise over there in Romans 8, 28. Talking about those that love God, all things work together for the good to them that love God. Whatever you're dealing with, you're going through, I guarantee you it was better than what you were going to go through in God because of His priority and His purity and His purpose spared you from that. We're not trouble-free just because we're children of God, but I assure you we're part of God's priority because God's about family. and I'm in the family of God. I'd love to see every one of you in that family too. Let's all stand this morning.